Amen. It's good to be with you. Um, again, my name is Corey Russell, and me and my wife Dana and our two little girls, Trinity and Maya, have been part of the House of Prayer for the last five years. We moved uh, up from northwest Arkansas. Um, moved up from northwest Arkansas in uh, 2001, or 2000. I graduated January 16th, or December 16th, 2000. Two days later, we moved up to uh, Kansas City on December 18th. 2000 and went full-time as intercessory missionaries, raising our support. I'm an elementary teacher by degree, but I never used it. It was just a good place to keep me out of trouble. <laughs> I got saved in college. I'll probably share some of that tonight. I'm going to be speaking again tonight, and I'll probably share some of that. But um, I got saved in the middle of college, and I was so zealed up, and I was so on fire that I'd have probably gone and done something stupid if God just didn't hem me in and keep me in college. So I got a degree. I never used it, but it's nice to have it. Anyway... <laughs> Good. It's good to be with you. Uh, I've, uh, I've been in the house of prayer just leading in different areas, prayer leading and section leading. And I teach a couple of classes at the school of ministry that we have there. I teach a class on the book of Jeremiah, class on the forerunner ministry. And uh, one of my passions is uh, the life of intercession. I teach a class called the eternal glory of an intercessor. And I'm desperate for us to touch uh, what it means to be an intercessor. I'm convinced it's a lot more than a couple of old women screaming in the back. Uh, though I'm grateful to God for the old women that scream in the back. That's the people that I grew up around. Those are the, the women I got a hold of, and they taught me how to pray. And I'm grateful to God for them. But I'm believing that God is wanting to raise our vision higher than a, than a platform, raise our vision higher than a speaking gift or anything like that. I, I'm telling you, the most powerful force in all of the earth is your voice before the throne of God. I'm convinced with it with all of my heart that I'm actually taking a step down when I preach to you today. <laughs> Do you, do you realize that in my mind, I'm actually taking a step down to talk to you today? <laughs> there's no higher place, there's no more power that I have, even influencing your hearts than I've had in the last few hours being alone with God. That actually did more influence than what, whatever's going to happen in this, uh, this little time period is the fruit and is the reaping of what has been sown in the place of prayer. It truly is. I, love, I know that might be a little for some of you, but... It's really true. I love to hear the story of an old uh, Chinese evangelist. He had, uh, he had led millions to the Lord throughout his years. And now he's old, and 80 years old, and a, a reporter comes to him. He's paralyzed on his bed. And a reporter comes to him. He goes, now, what do you think now that you're not able? He goes, how are you feeling that you're not able to go and evangelize like you used to? That you're not able to go and pack souls like you used to? And the guy just looked at him and kind of smiled. He goes, oh, he goes, sir, you, you don't realize. He says, when I lay on my bed here in this little room, in this little room, in this little place, he goes, and I lift my voice before God, all of China shakes. <laughs> he goes, you don't understand. You don't understand that when I pray from this little room, all of China is shaking. <laughs> what is the understanding and the revelation that there is no time or distance in the spirit? That, I, that we can join together and pray for the nation of Israel right here. And that God does something right now. That there's real encounters with God. That there's real impacts, that there's real dreams being given. What is the power of that? That we stand before an invisible God speaking words into the air and by faith trusting that God hears us and that He acts on behalf of our prayers. Isn't that amazing? I mean, if we really just dumb it down just to think about what we're doing, it's crazy. It's crazy. I really feel like the Lord is really wanting to deposit something deep in the, concerning the revelation of prayer. I'm going to speak a little bit on it today and tonight. But Dwayne spoke on it this morning. But I believe one of the many things that the Lord is wanting to deposit during this weekend is a revelation of intercession. 
and giving us a place and understanding who we are, first and foremost, who God is, and second, how he's designed to run his kingdom, and thirdly, who we are before him and how we agree with the administration of his kingdom. This is the administration of his kingdom. Is the, this is the seat of government is the prayer room. Amen? Amen? The seat of government is in the prayer room. The place to where real power breaks out, the place to where real decisions are governed are in the place of prayer. And in a place of fasting, corporate, individual, coming together and joining together, this is the This is the universal government center right here. We will do more to impact Austin by lifting up weak words in the air to an invisible God to impact Austin more than we could ever imagine. It's amazing. It's downright foolish to the natural mind. Isn't it? I mean, at the core, if we really think about this, if we really dumbed it down, and this is why we're having such a... I mean, because I'm used to it since I got saved. I'll share it. Some of tonight, but I got saved radically out of a life of drug, sex, and rap. It wasn't rock and roll, it was rap. And um, <laughs> anyway, and I got around these old women, they taught me how to pray. I don't remember the story I was telling. <laughs> anyway. Huh? Yeah, something else. Oh, good. Thank you. Good. No, I needed that. That that was my kid because that's when I took off on this bunny trail and the bunny trail got me. The bunny ate me. Anyway. No, that. Oh, I know what it is. It was when I got first saved, I gave a lot of calls to the place of prayer. I was so frustrated because we kept calling people to prayer. Nobody pray. You'd show up and it's you and that 80-year-old woman sewing in tears and just crying out to God. It was me and an 80-year-old woman named Lila. We prayed every morning at 6 a.m. for three years. Just me and her. And I gave the call every week. I'd cry. I'd groan. I'd rebuke them. I'd say how complacent. Let their t- how I'd just beat them over the stick with everything. Pray! How many people have heard that call before? <laughs> like every week. <laughs> anyway. And I've really been fighting for this place of prayer because it's my highest calling. It's all of our calling, highest callings. But I, as I've wrestled over this, I've really said, God, what is it? Why can't we get people? We can call forth a rally maybe and get people to pray for a couple of weeks. Maybe do a good little prayer-a-thon or do something like that. But what is going to be the thing that's going to sustain us for weeks, for years, for decades, for, for, for as long as we have to stand in the place of persistent prayer in confidence Crying out for God, trusting that and, and crying out that He would break in right now, but having faith to last for the next 90 years. How do you do this? And I'm really getting gripped that the greatest issue that we're having is we are having a wisdom clash. That God's ways and God's dealings and the way that God does things are right, downright foolish to us. We may not say this, but really, when you sum it all up to the whole thing, it's me sitting in a room. Okay, God, you told me to pray apostolic prayer number one. Ephesians 1.17. Father of glory, release the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Have you ever taken a step back to think about people in a room speaking out into the air? And what that's all about. Now, I want to invite you to do that because really at the core of our being, we think it's foolish. There's more that can be done with our time to impact people more. That could deeply uh, cause the gospel to penetrate more. There's better things that we could do with our time than give it to prayer. We may not say that, 
We may not quote it at the home group, but in our core and by the way that we live our life, we are saying that there's more I can do in my own strength, in my own ability, and in my own resources to touch people for God. And God's saying, I haven't asked you to work in your own strength or your own ability or your own resources. As a matter of fact, if you would submit to the foolishness of my ways, you would watch my strength be perfected through you. It's amazing. God chooses prayer. It's the Sermon on the Mount reality. Prayer, fasting. I mean, think about this. God tells us not to eat a hamburger and something's going to happen. I mean, have you ever thought about it? It's stupid to the natural mind. God says, you want to watch my kingdom break in? Don't eat something for lunch. Here's a better yet. You want to see God break in your life? Take money out of your pocket and give it to somebody. It's foolish. It's stupid. It's totally contradictory to the spirit of this age, to the wisdom of this age. It totally clashes on every level that I'm making myself weaker By giving away money, I'm actually taking away from my resources and something's going to happen in that place. And God says, yes, isn't it glorious? Now I can be made perfect. My strength can be made perfect in your weakness. My grace can be, be magnified and glorified when you agree with how I do things. It's amazing. It's a thing that I get undone over. I go, why, God? You're the sovereign God. The one from eternity past. You have no beginning and you have no end. You are immutable. You never change. You're the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity. You're holy. You're holy. And you've said do this. Don't eat a hamburger to see your kingdom break into Austin. No, it's really that serious. And that's the way it's been all throughout history. Is God says give yourself to prayer. Give yourself to fasting. And give your money radically. And watch the kingdom of God break in. Because at the end of the day, it won't be you having the glory. It will be him having the glory. And see, that's where the clash happens. <laughs> that's where the, the rubber meets the road because we're thinking that, well, look at how much gifting I have. Look at how much personality I have. Look at all the money that I have to do all of these things with. And God is saying, watch what I can do if you would just fall at my feet. I want to, I want to, I want to challenge you to go on a journey dealing with the, dealing with the, the wisdom issues in your own heart. I want to call you into a life of prayer, fasting, and radical giving. Not because we're just called to do it, but because it's stupid to the natural man. It's stupid. There's a better way to advance the kingdom of God. I love it. John 18, 36. Jesus says, my kingdom's not of this world. He goes, do you know if my kingdom were of this world, you know what my servants would be doing right now? They They would be fighting, and they'd be whooping all of you up. He says, but guess what? This is how I'm doing my kingdom. This is how I raise up servants. Right now, one has just betrayed me. One has just denied me, and all of them have forsaken me. I'm raising up my leaders. <laughs> what? Now, no, get a hold of this. This is Jesus. The end of God in the flesh, his ministry, standing before Pilate, and he says, is your kingdom of this? He goes, my kingdom is not of this world. Meaning it's totally outside the paradigm of this world. The, the, the way that it operates, the way that it, it goes forth, the way that it governs, everything of my kingdom is rooted in a whole nother age. It's rooted in a whole nother order of priorities, a whole nother order of the way to make it advance. It's of another world. It's of another world. It has nothing to do with your world. He says, if my kingdom were of this world, I'd have my boys on my back and they'd be taking you all down. He says, but how am I raising up my leaders? They're all in bewilderment and disillusionment because they've just forsaken me. And I'm getting ready here in 50 days to pour out a spirit upon them 
and they're going to preach in the very city where I was crucified, 3,000 saved in a day. <laughs> I don't understand the ways of God. It blows my mind. The ways of God, the dealings of God, how He does things. Jesus, at the end of His ministry, He has 11 guys on His side, and they're all jacked up. I mean, think about it. I mean, I imagine some of us in this room could get a bigger gathering going on, and we have God in the flesh, the mastermind himself, and he has 12 disciples. 11, uh, well, he has 11, <laughs> and, and one's denying him. They're all just jacked up. They're vying for who's the greatest. They're vying for who's this. And Jesus said, hey, this is my kingdom. This is how I do things. And then he tells them to go to an upper room, saying, I want you to go to an upper room, and I want you to tarry for the promise. Wait in a room for a spirit to come upon you. Okay, and this will be the way that my kingdom advances. Anyway, I love talking about that. That's my intro. I love talking about the ways of God because I'm convinced that the core of the lack of prayer in the Western world is because the ways of God are stupid to us. They don't make any sense to us. And you know what? We're not willing to come underneath that narrow gate. We're not able to enter in through that narrow gate because few find it it's hard to find, and it costs us much. God's, God, God's looking for a people that will buy into the ways of the kingdom of God. And when we buy into this, I'm telling you, it will become, we will find the grace and the power of God moving on our spirit. So I want to talk about prayer. I want to talk about, among the things, I want to talk about the knowledge of God this morning. I believe it has to do with the ways of God, but I'm going to be honest with you. Okay, I'm a pretty blunt speaker. It's how I like to be talked to. It's how I like to talk. And I'm going to tell you that the God, I'm telling you that we in this nation, we in this culture have bought into so many lies concerning the nature of God. We have bought into so many lies concerning who God is, how He feels, and what we look like to Him. I want to make it clear that the that the God, the little G, the little God of the 21st century is so utterly beneath the dignity of the Holy One of Israel. The little G, the little God in most of our conceptions, the little God in most of our ideas is so utterly impotent, pathetic, and weak. He's not a God at all. He's but a, he's but a, a little God after our own making, a, an image made after our own minds. Made after our own conceptions. One that we've formed by the spirit of this age. One that is not true of the Holy Scriptures. He's the Holy One of Israel. His name is, it says in Isaiah 57, he says, My name is Holy. I'm the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity. And I'm telling you that we as a generation, we've bought into lies concerning the nature of God. Who is He? What's He really like? I love the Psalm 50, verse 21. He says, you thought I was altogether like you. He goes, oh, you're wrong. I'm totally other than. My name is holy. I'm uncreated. I have no beginning and I have no end. I'm exalted. I'm majestic. I'm totally other than. Am I making sense this morning? I feel like it's the number one root cause of our lack of worship. The lack of fear of God in the church. The lack of the majesty of God in our lives. The fear of God. I'm talking about a true reverential fear. Walking in the fear of the Lord. And it has touched us on every level. And I'm telling you, even the gospel. The gospel has been corrupted when we have low views of God. 
The gospel is destroyed when we have low views of God. Well, we quote it so easily, for God so loved the world. that he gave. Who is God? What's he like? What's he feel? Where's God from? Where'd God come from? I'm telling you, the questions of your three-year-old is an indictment against our day. Where'd God come from? I'm telling you, if you ever asked that question and posed it and considered it in a deep way, it would fry your mind and send you into worship. It would. It would fry your mind. And see, we've become all too dignified, all too, well, God doesn't have a beginning. What does that mean? When's the last time you considered that? When's the last time it crashed in on your head like a freight train and you got stuck before you're standing before the God of eternity and He, in His kindness, has willed that you exist? That you're breathing. That He's alive and that He sees, He knows, He understands, He's near. I'm telling you that we need to go back to the beginning. We need to go back to those questions that we used to ask when we were kids. We need to go back to those questions. We need to undo everything that we think we know so that we can actually learn something in truth. Everybody's looking for the new way for this. Let's have a new way to identify this and a new way to evangelize and a new way to talk about da, 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 da. And God's saying, this is, this is a quote I always live by. Revival isn't out with the old and in with the new. Revival is out with the old, in with the even older. <laughs> it's called the ancient paths. It's what it's called out of Jeremiah 18. It's the old paths of Jeremiah 6. He says, stand in the ways and ask for the old paths where the good way is so that you would find rest for your souls. He says, but you were not willing. You were not willing to go back to those former things. And see, I'm telling you in this hour, we need to go back to the former things. We need to go back to the beginning of asking those questions about the nature of God. Those things that we, in our smugness and in our arrogance, we just think we know. But when's the last time you fell down weeping and worshiping underneath the awesomeness and the majesty of the eternal, uncreated God? When's the last time you were struck with wonder? When's the last time you were struck with awe and struck with glory as the beauty of God and the terrifying holiness struck you in your core? When's the last time that happened? We get tired of the same worship. When are they going to stop singing that worship song? Beloved, the seraphim have been singing the same worship word for millions of years. Holy. 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 What's going on? What's going on? Another, another breaking out of the revelation of God breaks out in eternity. The seraphim are undone. The burning ones set on fire. Their eyes filled with light. Oh, I'm desperate for an exalted view of God in this nation. He is so low. The, 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 the little G, the, the gods that we have bought into, these false ideas, they're not God. I tell you that you and I have bought into lies concerning the nature of God. We have bought into them and we have thus said, God, you must be this way. It's been given to us by the God of this age who has blinded the minds of unbelievers. We must understand that this is the issue of warfare. Pulling down strongholds in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. There are high and lofty things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. And we are in a war in this nation to fight for the true knowledge of God again. For a restoration of the majesty. For a restoration of the holiness of God. 
for rest restoration because until we touch that, you don't feel the weight of him taking on the garb of flesh and walking in our midst and being crucified by the hands of man. Until you touch that, I'm not even going to present the gospel to you. We're not even going to go get somebody saved because we need a, a fresh revelation. We need a fresh revelation of the holiness of God. And what was happening when that broken, crucified Messiah hanging on that tree, taking within his body the full wrath of God? What was going on? We don't even understand it. And God's taking us, go back. Go back to in the beginning, God. I want to unlearn everything so that I can learn again. I, me and you have become professional Let's just call it religion, religiosity people. We're professional at religion. We know all the phrases. We know all the Bible verses. We know all the songs. But we truly don't know God. I'm desperate for a probing and a self-probing in my life. I want to know God for real. I don't want to ascribe to creeds, ascribe to mental affirmations of what I believe about Him. What does it mean to know God for real? So that when I... Do you know what I'm saying? And when I talk about the word no, I'm not talking about, yeah, I know Bobby and I know Frank. I know God is good forever. God is faithful. You know, we know the songs. We know that. But the funny thing is that John 17, 3, that they may know you, and the Ephesians 3, that they may know the love of Christ, that's not like, yeah, I know the love of Christ. He loved me. He died for me. That's not exactly what he's talking about. That word no is that word yada. It's an experiential. It's the way that a husband knows a wife. It's a deep emotional interchange of encounter. It's something that is, goes on in the depths of our spirit. It's not something that's only settled in our mind. Yes, it begins in the mind, but the fruit of it is becoming rock-solid reality in the soul, in the core of our soul. And until it touches there, it ain't going on, brother. It ain't going on. We can, we can dance. We can make everything real pretty. We get lights going on. We got some smoke. We got a few things going on, though I love it. I, I'm a smoke guy. But... But the point that I'm saying is, is that, guys, we need a wake-up call in this nation. We are in delusion. We've bought, we think we know something when in reality we don't know nothing at all. And we think, oh, let's go see who we can evangelize and touch with the people. Because we've got to get struck again with God. We've got to get worship restored to the church. And I'm not talking about louder music. I'm talking about standing before the God of heaven and earth with fear in our spirits, understanding who we're standing before. Oh, the holiness and weeping over the worthy lamb who took the full wrath of God. We need revelation in this hour. We need a restoration of the majesty of God. The holiness of God. The fear of God. I'm desperate for a youth generation to touch this. Because I'm telling you, it ain't going to be having, knowing, your, knowing your Bible verses and knowing all these nice little things that we're supposed to know. You've got to know him for real. My five-year-old's got to know him for real. She's got to know him for real. Spirit of this age, does, it will knock down. Into, it says the demons know the scriptures and they believe. Guys, we need encounter. Jesus says that they may know you, the only true God. Why would he say the only true God? Dialogue. Why? In John 17, 3, Jesus says that they may know you, the only true God. What he's implying there is that there are false gods that are fighting for that position in the soul of man. That there is a one only true God. There's one Father who art in heaven. That's what Jesus roots the whole prayer in Matthew, or Luke 11. How's he root? How, teach us how to pray. Do you want to know how to pray? Get up there. Your Father in heaven, holy is his name. 
is his name. Hallowed be his name. Is his name hallowed in your soul? Is his name hallowed in my spirit? Is it hallowed? Is there fear on it? Is there reverence? Is there an awe? Is there an awe struck? Is there those questions that flood my being? Am I lost in the holiness of it all? If I'm not, then I'm not going on to prayer. That's why he says, you deal with this first, and then we'll go on to the rest of the prayer about forgiving your sins and all that kind of stuff. Let's deal with this issue right here. First and foremost, I feel like the Lord, and, I, and I'm not a real good take you to the Bible verse, and now we walk down the passage. Revelation 4, he tells John, he says, come up here. I believe the Lord is saying to a generation, come up here. Get your head out of the dirt. Quit buying into these lies and begin to fill your mind with the truth of the Scripture and ask those old questions that restore old worship, old faith, and an old power that, that will be restored in this day. I'm telling you, there's going to be one way to the restoration of true authority in this generation. Everybody wait. We want the power. We want the breakout of power. The power only rests upon a true knowledge of God. The true power that we're looking for, it's established on true foundation of the knowledge of God. That's the only place he gives it. And we need to wrestle over it. I want to self, I'm, I'm fighting for a true knowledge of God. I'm, I'm so sick of my double-mindedness. I can quote you some good verses, but guys, I'm sick at what's watching in my life. I'm saying, God, the wall has to be severed in my life. The double-mindedness. I want to know you for real. I want to walk. When, when all money is gone, when everything is crashing in upon me, I want to be rooted in eternity. See, that's what, that's what exposes where our true confidences lie is when the things break in upon us. But we live with that. Why? Because we, God's wanting to escort us past a, well, I agree this is who you are. Who are you for real? When I'm talking about true authority, resting upon a true foundation, Matthew 16, Jesus asked them the question, who do you say that I am? Peter shouts out, you're Christ, the son of the living God. And he says, on this rock, I'm building everything. I'm building my church. On the rock of what? On the rock of what you truly believe about me. On this rock, he says in that, he says, and I also, so he says, I'm building everything upon this foundation. What do you really believe about me? There's a meditation for you for the next year. How about we don't read the Bible in 365 days? How about we get a scripture in 365 days in our spirits? What would happen? I'm all about it. Let's read the 365-day Bible. But what if we just stopped and said, what? What do I really believe about you, God? It's a painful question. It will jack you up, but it's good for us. Who do you say that I am? He says, on this rock, I'm building everything. What you truly believe about me, it will either be a rock or it will be sand. Two foundations. Whoever hears these words of mine and receives them, I'll liken him to a man who built his house on the rock. He says, he goes, and on this rock, I'm building my church. Guys, I'm telling you, the church of Jesus Christ in this nation is not built upon the true knowledge of God. We're built upon faulty things. We're built upon everything else but the true knowledge of God. And God is wanting to restore and raise up a generation that says, what do I really believe about you? I don't want to live my life based upon what mom and dad think, what my pastor thinks, what my brother thinks, or my mentor thinks. What do I believe? What do I really believe? What do I really think about God, who he is, where he's from, what, what he's like? I'm telling you, those, those questions will be satisfied to the uttermost. 
And then he says, I'm building everything on this rock. And then he says, this is where authority lies. And I say also, I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind in heaven will be bound in earth. And whatever you loose in heaven will be loosed on earth. Meaning that this is where authority lies. We want the authority, but I'm telling you, authority corresponds with true living agreement with God in our spirits. Amen. I'm desperate for these youth to get a hold of it. We don't need to live any longer on mom and dad. We don't need to live any we need. I, I'm, I'm desperate for my six-year-old. I'm desperate to see her begin to encounter and cry out saying, God, I want the knowledge of God. I want to know you for real. I want to know it where it touches Tuesday afternoon, where it touches Wednesday evening, where it touches Thursday morning, where it touches the way that I live my life. Either God's alive or he's not. We can state it. It looks good in church, but I'm telling you, we are in a fight against unbelief. We need a desperate, we need to deal with unbelief in this nation because we know how to ascribe to things, but unbelief and and true faith is not found just on the way that we ascribe to our creeds. No, true faith is found in what we truly believe and what we truly have convictions about. And he is wanting us to wage war saying, what does the God of Scripture like? The Holy One of Israel. John's, the Lord tells him, come up here. He says, and I was immediately in the spirit. He says, and there was, behold, there was a throne seated in heaven and one set on the throne. I want to tell you, there's one holy right now. He's exalted far above every God. He set his son far above every principality and power and might and dominion. And he's given him to be, the name to be, to be feared among the nations. God is God and there is no other. I want to tell you, God is the holy one. God's the awesome one. Jeremiah calls him the the mighty awesome one, the dread warrior. Jeremiah refers to him. He goes, your name is great and great in might. Who would not fear you, O Lord, among the nations? For your name is holy. You are the everlasting king, the only true God. And at your wrath, the earth will tremble. I want to tell you that he's not just some God far away up there, just like some stoic, just sitting around watching things. But I want to tell you that he is a God that is in our midst. He has sent his son. He has become with us. He has yoked himself with us forever in his son, Christ Jesus. And I'm telling you, he is the God who is in our midst. He's the God who sees. He's the God who knows. He's the God who hears. He's the God who feels. And he's the God who acts swiftly. I'm telling you, and he he will act swiftly. God is not some stoic, detached being. I'm telling you, the judgments that are about to be released on the nations of the earth are this one statement. I see, I know, I care, and I will act. God will manifest himself. God's glory will be revealed. And he will shout to the earth, I am God and there is no other. I am the Holy One of Israel. And besides me, there is no other. I am with the first and with the last. Without me, there was no beginning. I am the creator. I'm the creator God. I am the one who was before time began and I spoke and everything was created. He spoke and everything was created. I'm the one who established the heavens. I planted the earth and I say to Zion, you are my people. Oh guys, we need to go higher. Come up higher. Come on, John, go up higher. Oh, I want to get set free from these small God. The size of our God, he's about that big and about that weak. He's some scrawny thing. 
No, we love to quote it, but where is our prayer life? Where is our prayer life? We're going to talk about the other side of the place of prayer tonight. But who is God? What's he like? How powerful is he? How mighty is he? Is he good or is he not? Is he good or is he not? Is he eternal or is he not? Is he mighty or is he not? I know what we think we know, but do we really know it? Does it stun us? Does it cause us to weep? Does it cause us to get gripped in intercession? Because when we understand that we have a place before this God, then I'm telling you, intercession will give birth. And if you're not being birthed in intercession, then you're not touching that. And I'm speaking to myself today. I need intercession to touch my heart because you know what happens when we begin to lose out on our prayer? We begin to lose out. We don't know who we're talking to, God. We don't understand who we're dealing with and we don't understand the place that we have before him. God is awesome. (laughs) He's the mighty awesome one. He's a mighty awesome one. He's mighty. What does it mean? What does mighty mean? What does good mean? This is what I do with my interns. I co-lead the one thing internship. And I ask him the question. Next week we're going to take, and Monday night, we're going to talk about the eternity of God. Well, God's, God, God doesn't have a beginning. He doesn't have an end. Well, let's just move on to the next thing. We're Americans. Let's package it, put a little box around it, and send it out. We can get it out quickly because we know what it is. God's eternal. See, when you deal with God, you ask questions that will never be answered. <laughs> Great is the Lord, and his greatness is unsearchable. It doesn't mean that we don't seek it out. It means that we have an everlasting occupation. (laughs) He goes, I got you guys. I got you guys taken care of. Like, let's say for the rest of eternity. Oh, he's awesome. And I tell you, he's looking down. His eyelids are testing the sons of man. He's looking upon this nation. And I'm telling you, he sees. He hears. If you've been in a tough season, been mistreated, been wronged, I want to tell you, you have a God who hears and a God who sees and a God who will avenge you. Those that put their trust in the Lord, they will be vengeance is mine. The Lord will break in on your behalf. I want to tell you, he's not some stoic God up there, but I want to tell you, he is the tender one. He's the holy one. He's the exalted one. But until we get this, begin to deal with, understand who we're dealing with. I love God. You love God. Who is God? What is God? I mean, have we ever seriously, young ladies over here, have we ever seriously thought that about that? Young ladies over here, have you ever seriously thought about that? Hey, girls, have y'all ever seriously thought about that before? Where God's from? Yeah, yeah, black hair. Both of them. Have you ever seriously thought about where God's from? What, is, what happens when you touch that? Let's go there, okay? Let's do it. Close your eyes. This is what I love doing. And people say, okay, Corey, this isn't a really good message. I don't understand, guys. I'm going to tell you. Everybody, before I go here, everybody listen to me. Everyone listen to me. Do we understand that when we come to a right understanding of God, there are 10,000 lesser problems that are solved in our life? We spend our whole life running around trying to fix all these problems. 
and we're, our souls are dry, our souls are bankrupt, and we don't know who he is. When you come to a right belief about God, there's peace, there's order, and there's a stability that comes upon your soul. And we're spending millions of dollars for marriage counseling, for children counseling, for 25,000 counselings, and we don't know who we're dealing with. Eternity of God. Close your eyes. I love just to think about these thoughts. There's tons of passages that support these. I love to think about it like this. I go, okay, you have your mom and dad, and then they have their mom and dad, and then your grandparents have their mom and dad, and they have their mom and dad, and it keeps going, mom and dads, mom and dads, all the way to Adam and Eve. We know that Adam's dad was God. Who was God's dad? Who brought God into existence? Now, you've just jumped off the diving board, which is called Genesis 1, okay? You jumped off, jumped off the diving board, and now you're in eternity. Keep going there. Keep going far back. Who gave birth to God? Who brought God into existence? Don't be afraid. Just be stunned for a second. Keep going. How about a thousand years? A billion years. Ten billion years. Keep going. No beginning. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. God has no beginning. I am the Alpha and the Omega. God has no beginning. God has no beginning. Keep going till you begin to get a little scared. Till you start to feel that funny feeling like, oh, I've got to wake up. I've got to get out of this. Come, Holy Spirit. Let's just stay here. God has no beginning. Time is contained within Him. Everlasting God, Elohim. You are Yahweh. Who is like you, O God? I am with the first and with the last. I am God, there is no other. We have to get this established in our hearts. Your love has no beginning, God. Your mercy is an everlasting mercy. Your mercy has no beginning. Your justice is from everlasting. Your tenderness is from everlasting, God. Oh, God. Your power is from everlasting. You are the Lord God omnipotent. You reign. Oh, God. Your wisdom is from everlasting. Your counsel is from everlasting. Who is like unto you, O God? Who has known the mind of the Lord that he should counsel him? Who is like you, O God? Keep going. You're dealing with the love that has no beginning. Jeremiah, 
31, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Guys, we've been swallowed up into God. Eternal God. Now let's go the other direction, okay? Let's just stay in the same frame. I know we're out there about 10 billion years. Now let's go the other direction. We come to the end of the age. Jesus comes, establishes his thousand-year reign on Jeru- in Jerusalem. He reigns for a thousand years. And then eternity breaks in. The new Jerusalem takes its place. And then we go into eternity. Now go the other direction. <laughs> oh God, you're the Omega. And this is the one I like to fry everybody on. This is the thing that totally separates God from all our boxes. That with God, the beginning is the end. I'm not talking about successions or changes, but in God and in His eternity, God's beginning is His end. It's all the same to Him. It's one glance. We're dealing with a big God. Amen. You can open your eyes. <laughs> there, you do that on Tuesday morning. And Wednesday. And Thursday. For the rest of your life, because we're going to do it forever. We're going to sit there and we're going to go, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was, is, and is to come. All of it, all facets of God, the eternity of God. The holiness of God. All of it. Lord God Almighty. (laughs) Omnipotent God. See, this is what, when we're dealing with that, if we can get the eternity of God established in our souls, then you know that no one gave him, no one, there's no one before him that could give him power nor take it away. There's no one that gave him love nor could take it away. He is the source. He is the source. Jesus says, in him, in the Father, he has life within himself. The Father has life within himself. I am desperate to see a generation get set free from Xboxes. And, you know, we're worrying about how to build a better mousetrap, how to cut two two blades of grass, how to figure out the latest video game. Guys, we are a bored generation. Can I make it clear to you? We're, we're, we get excited about the newest Hollywood movie that made a couple of people float in the air. The newest Matrix movie. When's the last time you saw Genesis 1? When's the last time you read Genesis 1 for what it really says? When's the last time you saw Ezekiel 1? Ezekiel saw visions of God and it says he sat by the river Kabar seven days astonished. I <laughs> Ezekiel talked to us. 
It was, it was a man with fire. Yeah, fire up, fire down. Throne. Ezekiel, talk to us, day four. Visions of God. Day six. Ezekiel, come on, man. He can't even talk. He was stunned. He sat by the river Kabar, astonished. Has that ever happened after your Xbox game? Has that ever happened? Has that ever happened after the newest Hollywood flick? No. We get a buzz for about 30 minutes, then we go and tell our friends how good it was, and in a couple of while, we're like, man, I'm done. We're going to need something new. Guys, I'm telling you that God wants to stun our bored hearts. He wants to stun us not with a new thing or new thing. He wants to stun us with himself because he is the most beautiful. He's the most glorious. He is the most, oh, he's beautiful. Our God is holy. He's holy. He's holy. Oh, the beauty of God. He's holy. His, his mercy is holy. It's totally other than. It's not like the best mercy that you've ever seen. It's not like a good person's love. It's not like a good person's uh, uh, gladness. He is totally other than. He is totally of another order. He is uncreated. We are created. He has no beginning. We have beginnings. He's of another caliber. He's of another order. That's what makes him holy. So when we say you, your love is awesome, we're saying your love is of another ocean. Guys, I'm desperate to touch this. I'm desperate to get rooted in eternity. I want to have my mind seated upon things that will just say, Corey, you know, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Do you understand that you cannot be any earthly good unless you're heavenly minded? You are no good to anybody. Relevancy, whatever it see. I just made a word there. And then when we're trying to be relevant, now everybody get here. Now this is the old paths. We are looking for something new to impact this culture. There's a, there's a craze in us, something. We gotta do something. We gotta turn this generation. Everybody sees it. This whole generation's going to hell in a handbasket. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to see it. But the, the responsibility lays on the church because we get frantic in our souls. Let's make something happen. How are we going to impact them? How are we going to change things? Well, let's try this. Well, I saw some people. Let's get all the tape series on that. Let's get the conference going in here. Let's learn about the newest way to do this, A, B, and C, and D. And God is saying, oh, no. Oh, no. The, the, the issue is not to go horizontal. The issue is to go vertical so that you can begin to rightly assess and rightly minister to the horizontal. You cannot... I'm telling you, you youth, you want to impact the drug addicts? You want to impact the gothics? You want to impact whoever and do whatever? I'm telling you right now, it will not be by you acting real cool, doing the cool thing. It's going to be about a people who get full of God and then live out of that place. You will not be relevant to anybody until you get a hold of God. We're not going to do good for anybody. And uh, us trying to be, well, let's just relate. Relate with what? We need to relate with God. We need to commune with God. We need a fellowship with God, both the Father and the Son. I want a fellowship with God. I want to commune with the Holy Spirit. I want to commune with eternity. And I want to know who I'm dealing with so that when I stand before someone, I would not fear him who could kill the body, but I want to fear God. I want to fear God. I want true, living reverence in my spirit before who I'm standing before. An, an awareness of God that he sees, he knows, and he's powerful. This is what our generation needs, amen? Oh, for, 
He says in Habakkuk 2.14, I will fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. He's going to do this. It's going to happen. But I'm telling you, he wants to begin to give us first fruits. He wants to give us down payments. He wants to give us tokens of the age which is to come. Timothy say, lay hold of eternal life which is to come. Meaning that we can get tokens, we can get down payments of that which is to come. We can live in a certain place as a foretaste of the next age. God's actually giving that to us today. It's called eternal life. Not just some, I signed a, 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 a crusade thing 20 years ago. That's not eternal life. Eternal life is about a quality. Eternal life's not about just checking my little things so that when I die, I can go to heaven. That's hell on earth. No, eternal life is about a quality in the spirit. It's about a life in the spirit, living your mind. It's just what he says in Colossians 3. If you've, you know, if, if you've been raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Get up there is what he's saying. If your life is up there, get up there. Get up there in your, in your paradigm. Get up there in your mentality. Get up there in the way that you view reality. In true knowledge of God, seek those things which are above where Christ is seated. So there's a good phrase right there that we can get heavenly minded. Seek those things which are above. Seek them. Go after them. Go after those heavenly realities. Revelation 4. Revelation 5. Revelation 6. The counsels of heaven. The way that he's going to cause this whole thing to come to pass for the greatest glory of God. I'm jealous for a generation to come into this. Oh, for people. So he says in Daniel, those who know their God, <laughs> be strong and do great exploits. He's not talking about bodybuilding. He's talking about a true internal strength that will have stability in the hours that we're moving into. That will not come cheaply. As Dwayne was saying, we're not going to pick this up at a McDonald's drive-thru. It's not a value meal three. You're not gonna, God doesn't have for sale days in the spirit. There's only one way. It's called the ancient paths. They're called old ways. And I'm telling you, you generation, I'm telling myself, I'm telling us parents, we will not get this cheaply. It's a narrow gate. Few find it. Few find it. It's hard to enter. It's hard to enter. You don't get this just because you signed up at a little something. Well, I'm here. Apparently I'm in. No, Jesus says, no, you're going to have to seek this thing out. You're going to have to come after me. And I'm telling you, if we'll go after this thing, God will help us. But I want to tell us right now, we will not pick this up at a McDonald's drive-thru. We won't. We're not going to be able to pop this into the microwave and have a full popcorn bag here in 30 seconds. I'm telling you right now that it's going to take time. And you guys need to sow these years. I was so craving the, the, the praises of men. I gave my youth years away. I want to tell you, begin to seek the Lord in the private place in these days. So that when you're 25, you're walking in a reality in the Spirit Walking in a place with God so that when you speak, power issues forth. It won't come cheaply, but I'm telling you, if you'll give yourself to God, He will fully give Himself to you. I, I just want to tear down all the things. We're not going to sign up. Woo, we're going after prayer. Guys, you sign up for the 90-year program. We're going after the 90 years. And then when we break into the next age, you'll have some occupation then to do. You'll just pick up where you left off. Oh, for a generation to get a hold of this. Whole generation, hallowed be your name. How do you pray, Jesus? 
Let me introduce you to him. Our Father in heaven. Holy. Hallowed be his name. Then they pray from that place, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Manifested on earth as it is in heaven. In the realities of heaven. In the atmosphere of heaven. The mindset of heaven. The values of heaven. The priorities of heaven. The kingdom of heaven. Amen? Come up here. Immediately I was in the spirit. Come up here. We need to come up here. We are so ingrained in the spirit of this age. Our minds are so deluded. My mind is so deluded. I hear that my baby's sick and I automatically begin to worry and get grieved. And God is saying, I want to root your faith in me. And that there is no distance in the spirit and that you can touch her from right here. You can touch your daughter in the spirit from right here. You can touch her, Corey. Of course, I'm a natural father. I experience those things. As we all do, but I'm saying, God, I want to truly believe what I'm talking about. Oh, for a generation that would get saved, come up here. Come up here. Come up here, John. Right now, in the midst of whatever, you're in the midst of temptations, you're in the midst of addictions. Come up here. Go higher. Some of you struggling with pornography, go higher. That little false form of pleasure. Go higher. The author of pleasure is in our midst. Young ladies, young men with eating disorders. Go higher. Do you understand who you're dealing with? And that he has power to set you free. You don't have to live like this. Power. Amen. Lord, we just ask you, let's just stand right now. I believe the Lord wants to touch a generation right now. When I say generation, I mean all of us. If you're living, you're a generation. You are holy, God. You are holy. Holy God. Holy God, who is like unto the Lord? To whom then will you liken unto me? There's no one like God. Oh, that's what Moses cried out. Fearful in praises, glorious in holiness. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is a man of war. He's a warrior. God, I ask you to break in in this room right now. Our thing is to say, oh God, I'm going to do all A, B, C, and D. Just get before Him. Just be before Him. And say, God, I've made you too small in my eyes. I've made you too small in my eyes. I don't even know who you are, God. I confess, I don't know who you are. I don't care if you're a pastor's daughter or if you're a pastor. It doesn't matter. Who are you, God? religion that I've lived on and fed upon I truly don't know it in my soul what do I really know of God how do I really know how he feels about me 
I'm always wondering if his love's going to change from one day to the next based on my approval and my performance. Do you truly know the love of God? It's eternal. It was before you, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I'm telling you, this is outside of you, this is bigger than you. You're not that strong. This is about a God who has zeal, about a God who has a plan, and he will have a generation. It's about a God who has burning passion in his heart and no devil in hell, no demon, no lie from the courts of hell will stand against the decree of the Lord. He is the Lord and besides them there is no other. God, I ask you to release your zeal and your ownership over a generation. Just right now before him, say, I've made you too small. Just lead us in worship. Let's just be before him for a second. Release the holiness of God in this room, I pray, God. I ask you for encounters with the awe and the fear of the Lord. The Lord is gracious and slow to anger. He is rich in love. He is good to Now right there, I just want to say, as they're singing, this is what Moses cried out. He says, oh, Lord, show me your glory. He goes, okay, here I am. My name, the Lord, the Lord God, gracious and merciful, abounding in loving kindness and mercy. And the God who keeps mercy. This is my name. This is who I am. And no one can change me. The Lord is gracious and gracious. Slow to anger. He is rich in love. He Good to all. The Lord is gracious. What does it mean that God's gracious? Slow to what does it mean that He's slow to anger? What does that mean? God, take us, lead us by the Spirit into encounter. Good to all. The Lord is gracious and slow to anger. He is rich in love. He is good to all. The Lord is gracious and Slow to anger, he is rich in love, he is good to all, good to all, you are good to Gracious and slow to anger, you are rich in love, you are good to all. You are gracious and slow to anger, you are rich in love, you are good to all. Be good to us today, God. Be good to us today, God. Manifest your goodness in this room, I pray. Manifest your goodness. I will make all my goodness pass before you. Make your goodness pass before us, God. Give us a revelation of God. The Lord is gracious and slow to anger. He is rich in love. He is. 
good to all. The Lord is gracious and slow to anger. He is rich in love. He is good to all. The Lord is gracious and slow to anger. He is rich in love. He is good to all. The Lord is gracious and slow to anger. He is rich in love. He is good to all. You're good to all. You're good to You are gracious and slow to anger. You are rich in love. You are good to all. You are gracious and slow to anger. You are rich in love. You Jesus. That's what Jesus says in John 17, 26. He says, I have declared to them your name, and I will declare it. Jesus is the manifestation of the name of the Father. He came on earth and He declared it. This is what God's really like. He's gracious. He's merciful. He's abounding in loving kindness and truth. And He's the God who keeps mercy. But He will by no means clear the guilty. He will visit the iniquities of the fathers to three and four generations. He's the God of justice. He's the God of righteousness. He's the God who sees and hears, and He will act swiftly on behalf of those that He loves. I tell you, He is not some God who sits at a distance, and He is the God who is in our midst. He's the Holy One of Israel, the Mighty One of Jacob. His name is exalted forever. I will be great among the Gentiles, says the Lord. Holy God, we say, Jesus, do it again. Declare the name of the Father. By the Spirit, declare the name of the Father. Declare the name of the Father. Magnify the Father. Glorify the Father, we pray. Holy God. Name to us. Make known your Father Jesus. Once again, once again, declare his name. 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 Once again, once again, declare.